0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org
1: party today. Hi, I'm Rev. Ellen Devonport, host of Voices of Unity here on the radio network, wishing you and your family a joyous holiday season. From all of us at Unity World Headquarters at Unity Village. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to the Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes.
2: And welcome everyone, and thank you so much for being here and being the intentional spirits that you are. Really appreciate your bravery and your courage. And uh, on behalf of Unity Online Radio and the show, The Intentional Spirit, I'm so grateful to all of you that continue to share our show on Facebook with your friends, social media, et cetera. It means a lot. It's because of you that people are listening and tuning in to us all over the world. We do our best always to have uh, incredible people and to have a balance of uh, not only successful authors and musicians, but also you know, difference makers—people uh, that are focusing on knowing that the world is a better place simply because they they lived. Um, I think that um, there's a beautiful poem by uh, uh Wheelcox that she, she said that there's a big difference between the uh, the lifters and the those who lean. And today we definitely have a lifter. And she is very dedicated to the work that she does. Alyssa Severetti is with us today, and she represents the beautiful movement called My Hope Chess. Welcome, Alyssa, to our show today, and I'm so glad you're here.
1: Oh, good afternoon. Thank you, Temple. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's my pleasure.
2: Oh, it's always a pleasure for us to, and uh, we've had you on the show one other time. You're very popular, and so definitely wanted to bring you back and um, just feature uh, the work that that you do, but give us some background about your life, because obviously there's always new listeners, and and a story never gets too old, (laughs) and it's worth repeating. Um, Tell us about you and why these things are of interest to you
1: okay so um, I'm a breast cancer survivor uh, 15 years uh, this this month actually Um, and congratulations um, yeah thank you and my hope test actually also just celebrated our 15 year anniversary on December the third so it's a pretty good week for us and for me But I, um, the story goes, um, I'm born and raised here in the Tampa Bay area in Beach and um, had no intention of starting a charity. Uh, My background was um, diverse. As as I had said, I started dancing at the age of four and um, went on uh, after college to become a professional dancer. I did three tours of duty, I call it, out in Las Vegas. Um, and um the third time that i went out it was uh after i had received a cancer diagnosis in um in december of 2001 i had been working on a um internet furniture business actually uh hoping that was going to be in my future the e- internet was just starting to begin with e-commerce really and um, so I spent about two years building a, a commerce site um, all 2000 to the end of 2001 and right when I got ready to launch, um, it was called RetroHome.com, I found a lump in my breast and um, for those of you that are listening that are uninsured, uh, the uninsured journey usually begins at the health department. And they go and um, they try to get them on um, uh, Medicaid, uh, emergency Medicaid, to pay for their uh, treatment, whatever they're going to need to happen. So when I went to the health department, I was actually denied Medicaid because uh, I didn't have children. They didn't have enough funding. So I was left with the question of now what? I was told I had cancer, I needed a general surgeon to remove my breast, I needed a plastic surgeon to restore my breast, and I needed an oncologist to take care of my treatment, moreover. So it was uh, really by the grace of God and the luck of Pinellas County Social Services in our community, um, and that can be anywhere in the country, your social services may have funding, and that's what paid for my mastectomy, and the eight rounds of chemo that followed. This is um, March the 4th. I had my mastectomy 2002. So during that period, I started to look for um, resources because social services would not pay for reconstructive surgery. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not finished with my treatment. A little bit that folks should also know is the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act of 1998 mandated that insurance must pay for breast reconstruction. It's a part of treatment. And uh, so people don't really know that. So if you are insured um, in a company policy, make sure that you're getting the correct information. But... um, as a result of my inability in our community to find resources, I reached out to American Cancer, Susan G. Komen, uh, we have a big hospital here, Moffitt Cancer Center, and no, none of those uh, institutions help with what's called a delayed breast reconstruction. So lucky are those if they have insurance upon a cancer diagnosis, but for the uninsured, there is a gap. That's why I'm passionate. Uh, Women shouldn't have to live without their breasts in the most heavily funded cause in our country. So my journey, and I'll skip forward to um, what happened next, is my former producer in Las Vegas invited me to come back to our show. She said, you know, how would you like to come back? And I said, well, heck yeah. You know, when you're sick, all you can ever think about is what did you do when you weren't? How did you feel? Who, Who were you? And uh, so on March the 10th, 2002, um, no, forgive me, 2003, I flew back to Las Vegas. I landed and I went straight from the airport into rehearsals. And literally I was doing two shows a night, six nights a week, Uh, but I was minus one breast because, you know, I couldn't, couldn't find a way to get my reconstruction. So they padded my costume. And I called myself the lopsided showgirl because I could make fun of me, but I knew that the media would pick up that story. And um, and so basically through that and the help of a women's group uh, called NABO, National Association of Women Business Owners, they listened to my story and my situation and agreed, as did I, that I couldn't be the only one in this situation. So... They rallied their um, members. An attorney stepped up to the plate, paid $500 to uh, apply for our 501c3 in the state of Nevada. And December the 3rd, 2003, we became a uh, not-for-profit organization. So that's kind of the history of how it started in Las Vegas. And then I relocated back here in 2009, and the charity basically began again. Um, in 2010 in Tampa Bay. So we are now a Florida Corp and a Nevada Corp, but we are a national charity. So that's kind of history.
2: That is such a, a beautiful, beautiful example that you didn't just stay at the level of, look at what has happened to me, and I can't believe what has happened to me, though I'm sure you went through that process of that. Of course, you would have had to, you know, in your humanity, but that you actually wanted to make your story uh, what shapes you. I I like to call it the diff. there's a big difference between our birth story, which is the environment we're born into and the people that – you know, influenced us and the teachers, et cetera, churches in some cases, um, and sometimes not. <laughs> um, but different people in our environment, the school system, et cetera. But then there's the story of life that happens, and based upon that, and based upon our response to it, it becomes our sacred story. So it's it's so inspirational. And inspirational for so many people to hear your story of how you took the situation and went, you know, through a very uncomfortable time on so many different levels and actually turned it into a sacred story that has meaning where you can identify and other women can be identified throughout um, the nation and actually feel like somebody not only hears them, but gets them and can make a difference about what they're going through. That's, I've always admired your work. I think it's very powerful, uh, you know, who you you are and what you're about. It's just a a beautiful story. And those that are tuning in, you can go to myhopechess.org, and you can find out a lot about what Alyssa is doing. She is, uh, as she calls herself, I love this idea. I've never heard of it before maybe you made it up, a serial entrepreneur?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know if I made it up, but... Um, uh, I, yeah, I like it. It's, <laughs> it's, it
2: really gets your attention.
1: <laughs> well, you know, some people um, have one calling, and, you know, that's probably less stressful on <laughs> life. I don't really know. My sister is, and I are... Um, so different in that capacity, while I consider myself, like I said, a serial entrepreneur doing different things, she she worked 39, I would say my sister worked 39 years at Publix, I had 39 jobs, 39 careers, uh, not really that many, but, um, you know, life is long, people like to say it's short, I think life is really long, and there's a variety of things that we can do with our life, whether it's our careers, or our volunteerism and I mean everybody knows you know the amazing things that you do in the community temple and so I just want to say thank you to you I've been coming to UNT for many years um, I'm not there every Sunday but, um, but I do consider uh, UNT my home and um, anyway you know we're all on this blue ball together no matter what our causes are whether they're animals children or the environment and even though our market is very niche um, you know, my hope chest is filling a void. We get referrals from the American Cancer Society and from Susan G. Komen uh, and from the Patient Advocacy Foundation, which are three big organizations in the country. Uh, but we have no funding from them yet. So, uh, my background, getting back to your point, as your entrepreneur, is really as we're all molded from how we grow up and what we do. You know, I started as a newspaper girl at age 10 I've always worked I mowed lawns I cleaned swimming pools um, wait a minute
2: I didn't know that about you you delivered newspapers when you were 10
1: yeah I sold it I I delivered
2: newspapers (laughs) Okay, so we need to do a survey of how many people work with nonprofits that used to deliver newspapers.
1: (laughs) It it must be the thing. Uh, That's where we developed our people skills, I guess. You know, on the corner, paper man and paper sir for a quarter. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the Evening Independent, if you've been here, but it was a nighttime newspaper in um, St. Petersburg. and It was the the winn grocery store, and I stood out front and... um, you know, made lots of friends. It's hard to say no to a kid with asking for a quarter. You know, so uh, like I said, it did develop your your people skills. And um, I had no experience in not for profit organizations. Nor, quite honestly, was this my dream. Um, my hope chest is truly my calling, and I say that with all honesty because I really. Um, I've had the time. I've had no children yet. I've never been married. I have no children. That's not going to happen because of the chemo that I had, but no husband. So I've really been able to be focused and dedicated to this mission for 15 years. And, um, you know, we're still a small little organization trying to, I kind of describe it as pushing a boulder up a hill with a toothpick. And it's, it's funny, uh, but it's true. Uh, Anyone that's, got a nonprofit, whether it's big or little, really, um, it's it's always a labor of love, and it's to, to keep the community together. You know, we pick up where government institutions leave off. That's what not-for-profits do. That's why we exist. And um, I just am really passionate about the fact that, you know, lucky are you if you had insurance And with a breast cancer diagnosis. I, I, I It's almost my first question when I hear someone's newly really diagnosed, but I would say What if you didn't, if you're a listener and and what if you didn't have reconstruction uh, uh, insurance to pay for you to have your breast restored? How would you have felt? You know, I know that I was diagnosed at 38 years old. Um, Not only did I make a living with my body, but I was a young woman and I spent three years without my breast temple because until I went back to dancing at the Riviera Hotel, I didn't get insurance. I didn't have insurance. So um, I really thought that my hook chest was going to be a three-year commitment of my life. This, like I said, wasn't my long-term goal. If anybody else was, was doing breast reconstruction in America, I would have just been referring people, uh, but it did not exist. It still does not. We're the only national charity helping women in this gap. And um, so I was very naive in, in, in believing that okay, you're going to start a business and it's going to be, you know, successful in three years. But I really thought because breast cancer is the most heavily funded cause in America, that when people heard women were living without their breasts because they couldn't find a way that they would throw money at this cause. Breast cancer, uh, Susan G. Komen, for example, everybody knows that name. is a $300 million charity. That's over a quarter of a billion dollars. So if we even got, you know, a half of a percent uh, of that, we'd be able to serve our mission better. And and when I say that, my hope just has a wait list. We have a wait list of about 69 women at this moment. Uh, We have three that are ready to go, two that we're trying to help right now to the tune of $20,000. I just put a post on our Facebook page uh, for Carolyn. Uh, So if anybody's listening and, and feels so empowered and passionate, uh, but it's very expensive. I'd like, if I could, to, to to quickly explain, you know, what breast reconstruction is.
2: Of course. Right. Yeah, it's very yeah. important. And I also, because um, it's like you say on your website, you know, the, the big problem is lack of awareness. And I just, I don't want to uh, digress this in any way, but is that still close to the accurate number we're looking at now? Two hundred and twenty thousand women still are uh, living without breast?
1: Um so or is that uh, number basically, higher? Basically there's not been enough studies. So so if I had the resources this moment today,
2: when uh, you have them. I would
1: again launch what we, we had launched years ago called the breast reconstruction study okay and we launched it with a couple of um other organizations in new york one is uh, living beyond breast cancer that's in pennsylvania and the other one's young survival coalition but there really hasn't been enough research on how many women are actually falling through the gap all i know is we continue to get referrals um, and we continue to have a wait list and 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 mind mind you this is predominantly but not entirely what's called a delayed reconstruction so for what what are the reasons a woman cannot have reconstruction at time of mastectomy? One, she's uninsured. Two, she doesn't want to. She wants to take care of her cancer and she doesn't want to start reconstructive surgery. Three, she may have started reconstruction at time of mastectomy but has lost her job and now she's in the middle of the process and can't find a way to get finished. Which brings me to what is breast reconstruction? Breast reconstruction is not an augmentation. It's not an AKA boob job. Uh, it's a very complicated process. It's a series of three surgeries that spans a year and costs about $25,000 at a cash pay. That's if Somebody walked into a surgeon's office and had no insurance. That's what they would get quoted because it's the surgeon three times, the anesthesia doctor three times, and the facility three times. So. You know when I when I began this in 2003 and thought my three-year plan was, hey, we're just going to get some doctors on board and people going to throw money at this. I was just, you know, so naive. Which that's a part of the learning curve of life, isn't it? But um, but anyway, here we are today in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I want to talk about what's what's going well, and um, I don't know how much time we have, uh, Reverend Dibble.
2: Oh, we have um. Another 35, 40 minutes easy. So oh, okay okay. Uh, we've okay got, so I've got care. time to delve into where you want to go and I, I want to say having um, a wife that I've gone through this experience with her, uh, the other part of uh, when you're talking about people that are going for you know reconstruction and th- those kind of things, you definitely want to get some references of who they've seen before. Because some of them do not do justice at all, right, right?
1: <laughs> well, you yeah. know what the thing about breast reconstructive surgery, as with any kind of surgery, everybody has a different body, and there are definitely better surgeons um, that when we when we try to recruit new surgeons, we try to get surgeons that do at least thirty five percent of their business in reconstructive surgery, like I said, because it is a complicated process. So you definitely, I agree with you, just want to do your homework, get some references, uh, go and have a couple of different consults. I know that I did to make sure you like your surgeon. Um, You know, I had one that that I really wanted to take a look at their um, before and afters and had a book and wouldn't really let me spend more than like two minutes looking in it to ask any questions. I'm like, he's he's definitely not for me. But um, I had my reconstruction, like I said, in, in Las Vegas. But the surgeon that we work with here, um, well, I actually don't know if he's doing reconstruction anymore outside of my hope chest. but it's it's uh, Dr. Antonio Galloso, who is the chief of plastic surgery um, in in St. Petersburg at at St. Anthony's and um, uh, Bayfront. But, um, you know, we have surgeons all over the country, and I always ask and we ask for referrals of who did you love? That's the question you want to ask is who did you love and why? And, uh, you know, kind of go from there. But there is a level of, you know, what's called a delayed, a failed reconstruction which is when if a woman, well, you know, I'll explain now the types of reconstruction, if I may. Um, so what is breast reconstruction? The, the most common type of reconstructive surgery is what's called a tissue expander. A woman has a mastectomy, a single or a double. She's left uh, flat to the chest wall because they want to remove all of the cancer. And um, then she has a decision to make. She can do a tissue expander type of reconstruction, which involves implants. Uh, She can do a reconstruction that is uh, what's called a flap surgery, a deep flap, uh, or tram flap, which is actually a double bonus. It's a tummy tuck using your own fatty tissue to create your breast mound. In that case, um, you don't have to replace implants ever in your lifetime and like i said it's made from your own uh most people don't realize that your own tummy uh and <laughs> hips and all of the place where we make carry a, a couple of extra twinkies um so um but that surgery is an even more complicated and more expensive surgery it's about a 5 hour surgery um with two to three surgeons doing microsurgery because they must move um, arteries and and blood flow from the stomach area and and move it to the breast area so sometimes the body one if they do a tissue expander um, reconstruction which is an implant may reject the implant Uh, maybe there's not enough tissue um, and it doesn't close properly just so everybody knows, even if you have complications, a great surgeon is going to go back in there and he's going to fix that. So, um, but there are occasions, you know, to be perfectly transparent, where a reconstruction may not work And physically. Um, the doctor also determines we do not vet people if they are medically able. My hope chest is just the payment gateway. The surgeon is the final call if... Uh, a woman is a good candidate for reconstruction. You know if they have other health issues, um, severe health issues, you know, mind you, like blood pressure or something or this or that, or whatever. Uh, that's the doctor's determination. Um, but um, I hope that um, that your wife had a good final outcome of her process because it is a journey, as you well know.
2: Yeah, she's um definitely very pleased Finish and now. you know has yeah, been um, cancer free for since 2004, so 14 years. Yeah, Almost so right like around. um with you,
1: right? I yep. mean, one year difference,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and yeah. you're right. There's just so many components of it that um it's just crucial that you get the right information. And one of the things I learned uh, years ago, because I had uh, at a very young age, I had major jaw surgery and I, I learned something very significant is you have to know in advance the questions to ask. Right. You
1: know? For sure. <laughs> well, You know, you, you that... can't be
2: at the mercy of, oh yeah, people are going to tell me what I need to know. No, that's not how it works. You need to know the questions to ask, and along every step of the journey, and and what that looked like. I, I love the fact that when you say, "I didn't choose the hope chest; it chose me." That's a very powerful statement.
1: Well, it couldn't be any more true. Um, you know, I was going to be an e-commerce pioneer, and um, I've been running 15 years of charity. So, you know, that was God's plan for me uh, at this moment in time. And, you know, we're just like every year, just working really, really hard to, you know, keep things moving and keep things growing and help these women quicker. But um,
2: that's really powerful. I'm talking to Alyssa Savaretti, and we're uh, talking about...
0: Hi, I'm Rev. Linda Martella-Whitzett with Silent Unity, reminding you that we are here for you during the holidays to support you with affirmative prayer and inspiration. From all of us at Silent Unity, we wish you a beautiful and blessed holiday season.
2: When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. Or sign up for monthly contributions.
1: Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics.
0: Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is is shattering to some of us God is not loving. Ah, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God is loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo-like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down here, so you're so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love.
1: To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit Unity.org.
0: Have you ever performed a random act of kindness? In a beautiful new book, called Write It On Your Heart. Unity employees make suggestions for random acts they've tried or received themselves. The book includes 40 ways to express kindness or compassion and has room to journal about your experiences. It's the perfect gift, and you'll want one for yourself, too. Look for Write It On Your Heart at unity.org. shop I'm Rev. Linda Martellowitza with Silent Unity, While the holiday season is a time of joy, it can also be a time of sorrow or loneliness. Silent Unity, our 24-hour affirmative prayer ministry, is here for you. We pray with everyone, including and beyond all faith traditions. Call 816-969-2000 and a prayer associate will answer your call and pray with you. Then keep you in continuous prayer for 30 days. Call today or reach us through the YouPray app. Happy Holy Holidays. Experience Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James every Monday at 4 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. In today's busy world, it's easy to get overwhelmed and disconnected. Tune in to the show for practical tips on how to handle whatever life throws at you. Dr. James welcomes some interesting guests and will help you get through any challenges you have with grace. Join the show live or listen later on demand right here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's
2: 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The
1: Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome
2: back, everyone, and thank you so much. Love the fact of how you're always tuning in to the intentional spirit and thank you for recommending various guests. And you can always, uh, I'd love to stay in touch with all of you on a more personal level. You can go to temple Hayes, dot com And under the contact section, you can uh, contact me or my publicist. And we love to stay in touch that way. Also visit us at firstunity.org, which uh, shares a lot about our, our spiritual campus here. In the heart of beautiful Saint Petersburg, Florida, always a place where people love to visit, right, Alyssa? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Right now, right?
2: (laughs) That's right. Well, I'm I'm talking to uh, Alyssa uh, Severetti today, and we're talking about how she is a difference maker in uh, taking her her experience of of breast cancer, low funding, uh, going three years without breast. Uh, rising above uh, the mediocrity around that, and 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 creating a foundation that is here to support and be really a, a life-altering change for so many women in America. And you know, we just I just continue to bless you and and give you as many accolades as possible because I just am very grateful to what you're doing, and you're exactly right. You know, no woman on the planet ought to ever have to go through something like this. I mean they're the condition is enough by itself without this. So thank you for your education and thank you for your awareness. Um I know um I, I first of all I don't think thank we should you. ever call nonprofits nonprofits. We ought to have named it something different, right? I mean yes. <laughs> I mean yeah. I too am part of a nonprofit sector and and if you aren't entrepreneurial um you know, which I know you are, and I certainly am uh I don't know what uh other communities and people that aren't entrepreneurial are doing because you you really do need to be innovative and creative um this day and time there's there's no doubt about it um but I know well, one of the things that that really uh for those of us that are out there in the fields, you know really speaking about the principles that we're bound by and that we believe in and whatever we can do to be change agents. Um, I know sometimes it's just the stories that kind of rejuvenate the, the visionary. Can you uh, share with us uh, some stories about some of the women that you've had the grace to be uh, in alignment with and, and know their issues and things and how the hope chest has actually helped them?
1: Happy to do it. Happy to do it. There's, you know, we we get referrals, like I said, weekly, uh, locally and nationally to my Hope Chest, and um, what it does. Really, the very first statement I ever made when the charity began back in 2002 is our first T-shirt, and it, it, and it still completely speaks to what we do. Losing a breast changes your life, and getting it back is life-changing, or them back. Um, so, you know, there's various stories, like I said, of women in different stages. I have one here I'll read a little bit about. And this is Anita, and she lives in Texas. And this is what she wrote on their application. They have to write a little bit of their, their story and why they need help. Um, At the time of my diagnosis, I was newly divorced and unemployed. On top of that, I was almost denied life-saving surgery due to inadequate insurance. Thankfully, I was able to go through with the surgery, a double mastectomy, on August 27th. But even after I had undergone reconstruction, I was struggling to regain my self-confidence. My breasts were two sizes smaller than before with no nipples. This left me feeling more like a doll than a woman. I contacted my hope chest and spoke with Representative Christie, who was very sweet and helpful, roughly a year later with the help of my Hope Chest, I was able to get the surgery, replaced my nipples, and fix the heavy scar tissue from my previous procedure. I feel like I have the chance to feel whole again. For that, I'm grateful to be associated with my Hope Chest. Love and prayers to all my fellow survivors. So, needless to say, in the moment, I can tell you, our happiest day is when we have the means to, to make a phone call and tell a woman that her number is up. It's her turn. And... um Oh, there's just so many. There's another couple of gals that really stick out in my mind. Um, a local woman, uh, Lori, wrote, um, I spent eight years without both breasts. I was devastated at the mutilation I was left with. I was told it wasn't life-threatening. I had been moving in this dark tunnel getting that phone call. And getting that phone call from my hope chest is like turning on a light switch. I have a new outlook on life. I adore this doctor Gayoso and what he is doing for me. So both breasts, eight years, couldn't find help. Uh, Lori lives up in Hudson, and um, wow, well, I mean, it's like others. they scream and shout
2: like they've won uh, Publishers Clearinghouse or something, right? Or won the lottery. I mean, um, I'm just you well, know, I, I'm just seeing this image in my mind and. Uh, they probably scream and shout, don't they? just like. oh
1: they do are you kidding do they I mean, you do know they, everybody at
2: first go, are you kidding me or is this for right. real? i mean do they they go through this yeah. whole process about it?
1: Well, you know what? we have a gal in in orlando, um Angie, and um Angie got on our wait list at a time when our funds were very, very low to 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 help more women, and so um, she didn't hear back from us. We always tell women, and this is a horrible thing to say, and it's really, it's, it's what hurts the most for me. Uh, we cannot promise you if or when, only that we're going to do our very best to help you, because we're a small little grassroots charity. That's why I'm saying, you know, it's just money; it's everywhere, and you know, we're welcoming it at any time. But we had to say that to Angie, and I think it was, I don't know if it was a year later. Um, she had. She was one that got stuck with the middle of her surgery. She had her tissue expanders in. And I actually need to go back and explain that, but I'll finish the story. And so when we called her, um, and actually there's a video on our website. So if everyone goes to myhopechest.org, um, on the homepage, you're going to see a little 90 second PSA uh, testimonial, um, and Angie's in the red. But she was couldn't believe uh, she also actually worked at a church in Orlando and um, was just completely surprised by this call, how we couldn't forget her, and we don't forget anybody. Um, it's just a matter of do we have a surgeon in their city? Do we have funds in place? You know, getting the surgeons on board is the easier part of the task uh, because they're already amazing surgeons all over the country doing free or greatly reduced surgeries. It's the facilities that's where the red tape is. And, you know, I would love to partner with any, any hospital groups, HCAs and Bay Cares and, you know, uh, what's it called, Cancer Specialist uh, Hospitals of America, uh, just hospital groups because we can help women quicker. but. Typically, that's kind of where the delay comes, but yes, Angie was over the moon and stars. Um, we have um, one more uh, I can read here, a testimonial, Ruth Ann, uh, she said, I was waiting 14 years to embark on this final chapter of breast cancer, never feeling complete as a woman. I thought I would never be able to have the surgery, uh, and they thanked saying to the, the charity, which helps women have this life-changing procedure at no cost to them. So, she, her story was 14 years. She did not want to have reconstruction. This this is what happens is women say, you know what, I'm okay the way I am. Uh, their spouse loves them the way they are and that's all great. But then, down the road, they change their mind. They're allowed to change their mind. They're, they decide, you know what, I don't feel good about myself now. Um, I really want to have this reconstruction, and um, and so you know, literally, it is by the grace of God that a lot of these people find us. I mean, we've had some great local publicity and some you know wonderful national publicity, but it hasn't been you know enough yet uh, for us to make this this huge impact. But when women find us, I can tell you, like, it's their happiest day. And they tell us that they, you know, feel complete in body, mind, and spirit once they're able to get their surgery. So that's a few of those stories. Um, I know the one thing I didn't completely tell everyone what a reconstruction is, is the first step of a tissue expander is, They put an empty bag in your chest called a tissue expander and they slowly fill that uh, weekly with salt water, saline, to slowly stretch the breast skin, the tissue to be able to accept the implants. And the second surgery is about three months later and they're able to put the implants in uh, and then that has to heal and takes about another three months. The third procedure is creating the, the nipple which are able to stitch. There's a scar, of course. They take that scar and the surgeon twists it and stitches it and it heals into a mound that looks amazingly like a nipple. And then the final step, we call it the icing on the cake, is the actual tattooing of the areola, uh, which gives the woman, and I know it was the moment when I looked in the mirror after three years of missing my breast that I could see two breasts two nipples, two areolas, and I'm like, okay, I am done with my cancer now. It's life-changing. It really, really is. So, yeah, you know, that's why we are volunteers, the supporters. I mean, you, you have a gentleman um, that I met at, at, at Unity there, Ernie, who has become a, a, a passionate um, advocate for us. And it's not just women. You know, that's another thing that listeners um, think, oh, the women have to help and what have you. Yes, you know, women are helping us, but oftentimes it's the caregivers and the husbands, the brothers, the fathers that also walk this journey. You know, cancer touches a family, uh, not just the woman. So, you know, it's good to share it with everyone is all I'm saying. You never know where help may come from or how we're going to be able to help another one and need
2: another woman. Absolutely. I. It's as close as um, one person over. And what is it that they say now? Is it if you have a group of three women, one of you have had cancer or will? or It's been a Probably. while since I've, I've heard you, some of the most know, recent numbers, but um,
1: it affects, it affects
2: all of us, you know. It does.
1: Everybody knows somebody, you know, whether it's a colleague, a co-worker, family. Unfortunately, um, you know, there's been great strides in treatment. I, I don't usually speak to treatment because that's the front end of the disease and my hope checks is on the back side of the disease. We're on the happy part, which I always say is, is the, like I said, making women whole, helping them finish their journey. Um, so we like to focus on, you know what will life be? Uh, getting themselves back to, to who they are, being able to get back into the community and have their jobs and their, you know, their volunteerism and be with their children. And sometimes, when, when people get diagnosed with cancer, you know, it's not just the cancer. I mean, it's the ripple effect of they can lose their job. We have these stories. They can't work. They lose their job. On. Um, We've had horror stories of, of of some some men leaving their wives. They are they're unable to cope and to deal with this this journey. It's it's a horrible thing and it doesn't happen that often, thankfully, that we hear of, but it's it's happened. So, you know, doing our part, my hope just is and it, we just feel very, very blessed. I feel very honored every time we're able to give someone good news. And like I said, honestly, this just shouldn't be an issue. In, in 2019, almost, My Hope Chest should not be the only major resource of helping women. You know, we have to get the awareness out there that this is another part of cancer treatment. It's the final step. Um, something I do want to share, we also help insured women. So because the government came up with a health care program that some people can benefit from, That is so fantastic. However, what isn't really known is those that get this insurance uh, or any insurance upon a major health issue, they may not have their six or seven thousand dollar deductible. So they can't use their insurance. So my hope chest has paid six, seven, and eight thousand dollar hospital insurance deductibles so that women could get their their reconstructive surgery so yeah we help uninsured we help insured and then we do some uh, medical and non-medical bill pay for women in active treatment we've been getting a lot of calls and referrals from people that need funding for their rent or insurance I mean their rent or utilities you know while they're in treatment if they can't work how do they put food in their fridge and pay their utilities so, we have limited funding um, along those lines uh, when people go through the application process and they are approved. It's another very important aspect, not just of breast cancer, of any disease. More bill pay organizations are needed.
2: I'm so glad to hear you say that because I wasn't aware of that with your organization. That's a whole other component where you're supporting people and it's and real. helping. And I, I have found even in my own experience, you know, the biggest um component of healing is being seen and heard in that way of um you know, I, I like to call it a, a validatorian. You know, in school it was the valedictorian, but it's the mm-hmm. the validating another person for, I see you and I'm here to hold the space for you. Uh, It's, it's immense and and its ability to uplift, inspire, heal, give, give a, a a greater level of, of hope and expectation. And, you know, all of that, it's just really powerful. Well, I, I also know that, you know, people are listening and tuning into us uh, all over And because of the work that you do and what you have and how you serve, uh, you're open to people that want to support you throughout the nation. And of course, you know, these days, I mean, we have wonderful employees that live in North Carolina and live other places. So it's a whole different world now, which is really beautiful. Uh, That being said, um, what are some of the things that um, you need now? Uh, or that would support your organization in a, in a better way? What, what are some of the immediate things? Of course, we, we know one of them is, please, you know, uh, any, any bit of, of funding would help. Uh, and a little, little leads to a lot, lot. So, of course, that would be great to go on myhopechess.org and uh, donate to the organization. That would be a big deal. Uh, what are some of the other needs, Alyssa?
1: Well, yeah, thanks for that. So obviously, like like we shared, it's a very complicated process, but it takes human resources as well. Um, Being that we are a national charity, um, one of the things that we had in the past that we're really seeking right now is is support, PR support and marketing. Um, That's really how you broadcast your message. And we had three girls' media... Uh, which is out in California for four years, donate their time to helping us, you know, dropping press releases for our events and our patients and what we're doing. So that's one big need that would really, honestly, could change things for us overnight. You know, we had been featured in Oprah Magazine. People Magazine did a story on my hope chest. Um, some amazing things when we get that level of support in that area. Um, we're working on uh, a national advisory board Uh, that I would like to see comprised of of business leaders. It will meet by teleconference four times a year, and that's also one of the avenues that we're hoping to grow the word and um, the resources that we need. Um, Our other wish list is, um, you know, like you said, raising funds, but we're trying to build long-term relationships with businesses that, um, for instance, in our community. The month of October, we have a campaign called Hope Floats for My Hope Chest. It actually goes on all year long, and what it is is it's third-party events, others doing fundraisers on our behalf, whether that's a, a golf tournament. Uh, we had motorcycle runs in Chicago. Um, we had a, um, yeah, Auto Nation actually, out in Las Vegas. My oncologist was friends with another gentleman who... Worked for AutoNation, and um, and we raised—they raised thirty-five thousand dollars for us. So, um, third-party companies that seek to do things either during Breast Cancer Month um, or any time of the year—I would love to speak with them about building long-term, reoccurring relationships. We're getting ready to partner with Hooters here, uh, hopefully to do something in their restaurants. You know, twenty-five of them in May. Our next big focus is Mother's Day, uh, but breast cancer happens every day. So, like I said, people can do things um, at any time of the year. But those long-term partners, we had two bra companies. Uh, one was Olga's War- Warner's, Warner's Olga Bra. Um, that did a national campaign for us, and then we had the Genie Bra that sold eighteen. In 1,800 Walmart stores, they sold 151,000 bras in one month. They created the My Hope Chest Genie Bra, packaging and everything, and that raised about $111,000, $113,000 for us in a month. So that was a Yeah, contribution, but it was in that capacity, that particular company, what's called a one and done. The money came and they went back into to product development or something, and it didn't happen again. So, what we're looking for are multi-year commercial co-venture marketing campaigns. This is it's it's a win-win. Uh, they're already being good stewards of their community, and whether they're selling a product or a service, uh, they'll benefit by not only helping our organization by involving their their um, their staff, their community. Um, there's more than two breast cancer charities. Is really the, the, the big message I want people to know. American Cancer Society is doing great work. Susan G. Combe is doing great work, and there's several others that are doing great work. But really, giving at the grassroots level—your hundred, your thousand, your ten thousand uh, dollars—we're going to feel so much more of an impact from that donation. I can assure you. And um, I always say that you know when I speak publicly, no matter what your cause children, animals, the environment, your churches, what have you, you know, really tithe at the grassroots level and, and watch and see how that really impacts their mission. But um, yeah, those are a couple of the ways. We, we need to get a good, solid uh, foundation. Uh, we have a sustainers group that's people committing to a five-year contribution. Because how do charities raise money? through donations? Through events, through grant writing, and all of those are variables every year. Variables. So we just have to get things like every every organization, the church, and what have you, is your sustainers in there that you know you can count on this line item in your budget to keep your programs going. So that's it. That's really, you know, uh, there, there's much more, but uh, those couple of things would really probably help us get off on a good foot here in 2019. Okay. And uh we have two women we're helping. Look on our Facebook page right now. We need to raise twenty thousand dollars right now uh to help Carolyn and um oh um I don't know if it's Waleska. There's another there's actually three women. But um You're like me, I, I'm so
2: committed to uh confidence that <laughs> Yeah. I you know, I just can't call things up real quick because I've just tucked them in such a file. Um, uh, to honor the uh, people that are being anonymous. So I, I get that, and I admire you for that. Um, I just um, I can't say enough about your foundation, what you're doing, the energy you continue to bring to it. And you you have such enthusiasm that you, you act like you just started a couple of weeks ago. And yet I know that you've been, um, if you will, hitting the pavement for a very long time and um, looking for those creative ideas and looking for those things that, you know, find you. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to us having a a quality sit-down time together and and look at ways of just creativity um, that I may have support you in some way. Um, I want to reiterate to everyone to go to org and find out more about this organization and how in some substantial way or in some small way that you can get involved. And um, Alyssa, what is... um, your burning desire we have uh, another moment of our of our show left is there
1: uh, I have one yeah, one more campaign that I forgot to share that really um, everyone that hears it loves it and we just have to find the right partner it's called dreaming for dollars rest assured you'll be changing lives and it's a hotel campaign a dollar a night a room so right now we're, we're starting to get very focused on Finding a hotel partner, a hotel chain partner, um, and it's simply a, a table tent, you know, in the room or in the hotel, and when folks visit, the hotel uh, donates or matches or what have you, but exponentially, us turning that one, one hotel with 300 rooms would be $9,000 in a month, a chain of hotels, you can do the numbers. Um, that Why one don't was you tell- call Paris Hilton? Um, uh, there's a good idea. You know, <laughs> if I can get through the parasil and we she'd be like, let's the greatest go big, ever. let's go big, let's go big. I like it. I do. Yeah,
2: uh, let's think I those didn't. those bigger ideas of what is possible or somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows her. Yeah. I imagine she's even been through our town, you know, in the last um year or two. So you never know. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that bigness for you. And I'm Thank gonna say you. aim, aim high. Keep aiming high um, because what you're offering and, and what you're doing is uh, life altering. We need you, you out Robin there. Temple. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Alyssa, for being with us. And go to org. excuse me, templehaze.com. It's been a pleasure having you.